Hey, uh, good morning. Good morning, everybody. I uh, hope you're well and uh, loving serving God in this crazy, crazy world. Uh, we just had today, we just had the, the, the daycare across the street. They come over and they do their graduation for their kids that are moving on up. So 30, 30 uh, preschoolers with caps and gowns just graduated a few minutes ago. Had a lot of fun with that, but um, I hope I hope things are going well for you. And um, you know, God is good no matter what happens, uh, highs and the lows of our lives that that uh, we just deal with. Uh, that that uh, not just our Bible is falling apart, but we are truly falling apart, like bones and joints and uh, uh, muscles and all of it. And it's just a sign of the world, right? It's falling apart. It's uh, not getting better. As we look into the world, we see things going on. It's just seems to be getting crazier and crazier. Um, but here's the cool news about it is that God wins. God wins in the end. God wins. And I have to keep that in mind because I get a little aggravated when I see some of the stuff we see, uh, like the attacks that we see on uh, marriage, the attacks that we see on male and female, the attacks that we see all around the world, and then all of the all of the people, all of the uh, celebrities, all of the, the sports jumping in to this woke culture, this woke mentality, and they don't even realize that they are now part of the attack on God's created order. And the, the truth of the matter is God's going to win in the end. No matter what the world does, no matter how crazy it gets, God is going to win. So be on the side of God. And at some point in the near, near, near future, sooner than we think, we are going to have to take a more deliberate stand. That's, we, can, we can only kind of be quiet for so long, right? You can only just like act like it's not there or just pretend that it's not a big deal for so long. The problem is evil just keeps getting more in our face, more shoved down the throats of Christians, especially anyone who stands for something uh, of the truth of God. And at some point you're gonna have to decide, we're, we're gonna have to decide whose side are we on? Are we on gonna play on the world's side or are we gonna stand firm on God's side and at some point just say, no, 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 this is not, this is not okay. I cannot go along with this. I will not go along with this because it goes directly against God's word. That's my little soapbox as we get started into John. We are talking about, well, the sock puppets are playing Sunday night. You're gonna to wanna to come all the way to Burlington, get on a jet, jump on a train, take a bus, the Burlington Sock Puppets are playing a game Sunday night. Their season starts next year. This is like a minor league baseball team. Nice little stadium they have. And uh, their season begins next week. But they play this exhibition game this Sunday night uh, against a bunch of YouTubers. These, this baseball team that's blown up. It's not the Banana Dudes. 
Uh, you probably have seen them by now, the banana, whatever they are. Um, not, it's not them, but it's like a, a, just a baseball team of older guys that are really good. And uh, they're going to come and play against our sock puppets here in Burlington. And, and uh, I just might be on the field uh, umpiring that game. So come on out. We'll have a good time. They're going to do a home run derby at 5 o'clock. The game starts at 6 o'clock. So come on. Come and have fun. John, all in. We're talking first John, all in. All in. John's writing to the churches all around Ephesus. They're battling all kinds of uh, corruption and evil stuff. John in chapter 1 was saying, we touched Jesus. We walked with Jesus. We heard Jesus. We ate with him. Uh, we, we traveled with him. Jesus was very much a real person because what the church is battling is, is people saying lies about Jesus that he wasn't physical. He wasn't real. He was just a spirit. Okay, so John is saying, no, he was not. I was there. I'm an eyewitness. I walked and ate with Jesus. He very much was a human person. It was God, it was God who came in the flesh, God with us, just like God promised he would. Emmanuel, God with us. And we're working through chapter 2, and in verses 1 to 6 of chapter 2, if you have your Bibles, you're going to want to open up your Bibles, chapter 2, verses 1 to 6. John challenges the readers, and he challenges you and me, uh, about this love that we should have for God, that our love for God. And the way that we know that we are in Jesus is that we will obey his commands, and we will walk like Jesus Walk. Did you get that? Two ways we're going to know that you're in Jesus. This is it. You ask yourself this question. Ask yourself, am I in Jesus? How do I know that I'm in Jesus? Well, two things will be true. One, you are living your life obeying the teachings of Jesus, which means we will go against the things of the world. They will not sit right with us in no way. This stuff that's going on through the NFL right now, this, this month, is a joke and an attack on God. And we're going to have to decide whose side are we standing on. John's trying to say, look, if you're on God's side, you can have nothing to do with the world. In fact, he's going to get into that later in this chapter. We're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks. We're going to really hit the world part really hard because John does. But if you're on the Lord's side, then, then things of the world are going to be like, appalling to us. We're going to be disgusted at them. And there's nothing we can do with that. We can't have fellowship with that. We shouldn't participate with that. And so John's saying, here's how you know that you're in Jesus. One, you're going to obey Jesus's commands and his teachings, not go along with the world. And two, you're going to walk like Jesus did. So in every way, we're going to try to be like Jesus in this world of darkness and evil. But we're not going to participate with those the junk of the world. We cannot go along with it. We just can't. Not and say we stand with Jesus. Remember, they crucified him, they beheaded John the Baptist, and every apostle was martyred because they stood for the things of God. Have you ever gone on a long hike? You know, you, you, you you're going on this hike and you know it's kind of long but you don't know quite how long and you see in the distance like a hill and you think oh man I get to that hill and I get to see how far, much further and you get to that hill and at the top of that hill there's only like there's only like many more hills like another hill and another hill and another hill and another. it's like you you feel like 
you're never going to get there. Or maybe you've gone on a trip with your family cross country to another part of the, the, the West Coast and, and the kids all along the way are saying, are we there yet? Are, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Everything worth chasing after in this world, every trip you take, every journey, every hike, will typically take you longer than expected. Most things are going to take us longer than we expected. But if we will keep moving forward, the gap, the gap between where he is and where he's headed will continue to get smaller, right? As long as we're moving in that direction, it will get smaller. It's kind of like the gap between a lost person. Maybe you've got friends, you've got family that are lost. They've never accepted Jesus Christ as Lord of their life. They're just doing their own thing, the thing they've been doing for years and years. They're not honoring God. They're not obeying Jesus. They're not walking as, you know, okay, they're, they're outside of Christ. They're lost. And, and the gap between them and, and coming to know Christ is huge, it seems. All, all we can do as believers is try to keep moving them closer, closing that gap. And the reason is this, because the destination, whether it's a hike or a trip across country or bringing someone to Jesus, the destination is worth every step. Every step, bringing people to Jesus, going on an adventure, closing that gap. First John chapter two, dear friends, John said, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard, yet I'm, I am writing you a new command. It's truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing and true light is already shining. This is a new section. We haven't been here yet. We're going to get to it today. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother and sister or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates his brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. Wow, wow. That's a mouthful. Once again, at every turn, John has got words of not just wisdom and power and direction, but they're tough. They're, they're hard words. Every little section is like, man, another. It's like if you were in a fight and every punch is landing and you're getting pulverized, it seems. That's what it is with John. Everything he says has got a punch to it. And it's, and it's not going to be easy to, 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 to swallow some of it. But John's going to continue this discussion on living in the light and living in the love of Jesus, because that's what John's talking about. The light of the world has come, and we're walking in the light as Jesus is in the way, and we're walking as Jesus did, and we're living in the light, and we're living in God's love. Those two things are huge. And the reason it's critical for those who claim to be disciples of Jesus, this is what it means to walk like Jesus did, right? To walk in the light and to walk in God's love. In a nutshell, John is saying this. This has always been the truth because there's some confusing words in here. 
It's a little hard to follow John. John is saying, it has always been the truth. What I'm telling you, this truth about God, this truth about living in the light, this truth about living in his love, it's always been the truth. And here is how it should be lived out in us. This is how it should come to life in our lives as we live on this earth. So we're going to dig into it. Ready? Verse 7. Dear friends, he says. Dear friends. Two verses. We're going to take these first two verses. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new commandment, but an old one. See that? I'm not writing you a new commandment, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old commandment, or this old command, is the message you have heard. Yet, I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing and true light is already shining. You just look at this and this is, could be a little uh, stumbling. This could be a little like wordy and a little bit confusing. And that's why we're going to unpack this, this, these two verses first. Oh, what John is trying to get across to you and me. And in the end, it's all going to come together. You're going to see that. Watch this. Dear friends, he says, dear friends. This is similar to little children, like John's little greeting to these people that he loves. These children, remember, John's older. They're probably young in their faith. They're growing in him. He's like a grandpa to them. This word, dear friends, means, means uh, beloved. Beloved. If you look at it in Greek, the, the whole idea is John is saying beloved. Like like loved by God. Those of you loved by God. Beloved. He's writing to the Christians. Okay? On how they should live their lives. How we should live as believers in this world. Which is interesting because, beloved, the idea of beloved is interesting because John is known as the beloved disciple of Jesus. John's kind of his, 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 his title in a way. They referred to John, Jesus referred to him as, or they referred to him as the one that Jesus loved, the beloved one, John, that's John, John, the gospel John, the apostle John, he's the beloved one. And so he uses that word to describe them, beloved. So it's not just John saying, I'm the beloved one, but he's saying, we're all beloved by God. We are beloved by God. Right? Verse 7, he says, look at verse 7, I am not, I'm not writing a new command, but an old one. Verse 8, he says, yet I am writing you a new command. John sounds a little schizo here. So it's not new, but it's old and it's new. A little strange. Okay, well, John, uh, is it new or is it old? Which is it, John? Let, let's break this down a minute. Verse 7, he says, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one. So, okay, it's been around a little while, right? I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one. It's been around a little while. He says, you have had since the beginning. Okay, beginning, John, of what? Beginning of what, John? There's two possibilities, right? There's the first possibility in the beginning, Genesis, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? Or there's the beginning as referred to by John in his gospel, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So 
John has two beginnings that he could be pointing to. Creation beginning and the beginning of the word that became life. And that was a new beginning. John plays with this idea of beginning. He did that, right, in, Genesis, in his gospel when he said those words in John 1.1. And his focus in his gospel is not on creation beginning, but on Jesus, the beginning of the word that became life, the word that became flesh and blood and dwelt with us for a while. Now, John gives us another clue also to what beginning he's pointing to when he says, he says this, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old command. We just read that. The old command is the message you have heard, right? That's what he says. The old command is the message you have heard. Just think about that, who he's writing to, these Christians that are spread out all over Ephesus. He says, the old command is the message you have heard. So it's the message that the writers he, that who he's writing to, they have heard the message. They have heard it. Okay? I'm not sure that clarifies a lot, but heard when? Like, you, we would, might ask, well, heard when? When did they hear? They heard from others about the beginning, or they heard from themselves in the teachings of Jesus and the apostles? Not sure. Uh, John just cleared anything up. It almost feels like he's making it more muddy. Um, like I kind of probably am as well. To you, to you, he says, seems to be those he is writing to at this time, right? That you have heard, you guys, you, this generation, you have heard. He's talking about my generation. That's what he, he seems to be talking about, the recipients of this letter who were around with John when Jesus walked on the earth and they heard this message that John preached and the other apostles preached. So he's talking about, when he says that you have heard, he's talking about the, them. They weren't, they weren't around in Genesis. They were around when Jesus came on the scene. Which would mean, then, a close beginning. So a beginning, but a closer one, like one in their lifetime. Verse 8. Verse 8. Yet I am writing you a new command. I know this gonna, it sounds all real confusing, but just kind of hang in there, try to fight through this. Uh, it's all going to make sense here in, in a minute. I'm writing you a new command, right? So not an old one, but a new. Now I'm writing you a new command, right? So, so, so John is, is the original, like, uh, Dr. Seuss, perhaps, in this, right? Uh, I, yet I'm writing you a new command, right? That's what John says. The old command is the message you have heard, he says. He says, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old command. So he sounds like uh, Dr. Seuss, right, doesn't he? Something old, something new, something old, something blue, I guess. Is it, is it old? Or is it new? Or is it both? Perhaps it's both. And John concludes at the end of this verse, look what he says. It's truth, this truth of this word that they heard is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing and true light is already shining. Oh, so it seems to be both. It's an old and a new command. He's talking about 
the truth that is in him, Jesus, that truth that is in Jesus, that came with Jesus, and that truth that is now in you because Jesus has come. As a disciple of Jesus, now the truth is in you. And so the word has come, the light has come, we are walking in the light, so now we are in Jesus. This newness in Jesus. It's not an old beginning. It's not an old beginning, like, like old as in creation old. It's old as in maybe 60 years old. When John was younger and as an apostle of Jesus and Jesus walked on the earth. And now John, this is 60, 70 years later, John is writing these letters. So, so it's old, but it's a new old. A new beginning compared to the beginning, right? It's new in that Jesus came to bring about a new covenant. So therefore, this is a new teaching, right? A new teaching with a new beginning. And it's an old teaching because it was spoken of since the beginning of mankind and the promised Messiah. Jesus. Jesus. Not his eternal existence, Jesus, right, in creation, but coming to earth as a human being. That old, that new. That Jesus. That beginning. That old, that message. Light has come into the world. The light has come into the world, but men love the darkness. That's what's going on in our world right now. People love the darkness. The light has come, but people love the darkness. Jesus is why Jesus coming into the world is why the darkness is passing away and true light true light, Jesus, the light of the world, the one John says we should walk in, as in walk in the light as he is in the light. This Jesus, the true light who has come into the world, is already shining. It's already shining. He has come. He is here. And his light is penetrating the darkness. Okay, so let's sum this up a bit. It's not a new, but an old, because John has been preaching it for now 67 years. So it's not new, new. It's kind of old, but it's not as old as creation. It's not that old. It's, it's kind of like, you know, you guys, you know what it's like if you have kids and you have grown adults now and you, you know, they're struggling with stuff and you say, look, I've been telling you this all your life. This is nothing new. You, you should know this, right? Like, don't follow somebody on their bumper, like stay at a safe following distance. You might tell them over and over. Like if you ever get in your car, in the car and your, 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 your adult child is driving and you're like, man, back up. Like, why are we on this guy's bumper? I've, I've told you this all your life. Like it's in, it's, it's something you have always told them. It's new, but it's old. You've always been telling them this. While at the same time, it is new, a little old, not the, the creation beginning old, but it's the coming of the Messiah beginning old and yet fairly new. So the command is both old and new. <laughs> Claire is mud, right? And since we're already like muddy and all, let's muddy it up a little more here for a minute. 
John's been talking about keeping the commands. If you look at chapter one, he's talking about keeping the command. Remember, anyone who says that they know Jesus but doesn't keep his commands is a liar and the truth is not in him. Remember those strong words by John? Like you say, you claim you're in Jesus, but you're not obeying his teachings. You are a liar and the truth is not in you. So walk in the light and directly uh, walking in the light is directly connected to obeying the teachings of Jesus. Okay, you're walking in the light, you're obeying the teachings of Jesus. You are not obeying the teachings of Jesus. You are not walking in the light. Simple as that. Simple as that. That's the test for us today to think about. Am I walking in the truth of Jesus? Am I doing what Jesus said? Am I following the teachings of Jesus? Not giving into the world, not caving into the, the junk of this world, but I am following on the narrow road that leads to life, the teachings of Jesus. Am I doing that? If I am, I'm walking in the light. And if I have compromised myself and given into the stuff of the world and accepted just about anything and everything, I am walking in the dark. I am not walking in the truth. I am not, the truth is not in me. John's as clear as he can be with this. He is as simple as he can be with this, yet he is as direct and hard as he can be in this. Now, though, John refers to the command. He's been talking about keeping the commands and the teachings of Jesus, but now he talks about the command. What is the command? This old command is the message you have heard this this command it's like singular before it's general and it's plural it's the teachings of jesus but now he's talking seems to be talking about a command a specific command and why is it so important to us here we go we're going to muddy it a little bit more here we go we know it's something old and something new we know that it's centered in jesus and we know that we are brought into it through jesus as we walk in the light of Jesus, this truth, this command, this message. Not sure exactly what it is, we're gonna to get to it, but whatever it is, it's all centered around Christ and we've come to, into it in Christ, it's old and it's new. But what is it, is the question, what is it? It kind of feels like John has done a lot of spiritual calisthenics, doesn't it? Like we've we've jumped around, we ran around, we walked around, we've talked around, and we still we're, we're going to get to this truth here in this next uh, couple verses. But it seems like John's just kind of like trying to get us to think in lots of different directions. But he's going to bring it home right now. And here's the thing. Here's how, here's how we, we know that we are walking in the light. This is the test. This is the test. John, John is going to nail it right on the head for all of us. Okay, here it goes. Verses 9 through 11. 9, 10, and 11. John says, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light. That's the contrast. And there's nothing in them to make them stumble. You gotta say it again. But anyone who hates his brother and sister or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has 
blinded them. So John's going to clarify darkness and light. What it looks to live in the dark and what a person looks like living in the light. That's two simple things. One, one truth that is going to describe where you are, what you're doing. First of all, he says, you claim to be in the light, right? We've heard this before. Well, fine. You claim to be in the light, do you? You claim to walk with Jesus? You claim to be a Christian? You claim to know Christ in your life? You're following the teachings of Jesus? Well, then know that God expects those of us who say we're following Jesus and walking in him, he expects a certain behavior to come out of our life if you are truly walking in the light. So John Boyle's walking with Jesus down to two things. They are light and they are love. This is going to be the theme throughout John's letter. He's going to keep pounding on these two things. Are you walking in the light and are you walking in his love? That is, that is the biggest description of a Christian. Walking in the truth of Jesus, not the world, and walking in the love of Jesus, not the world's. Two totally different things. Two very powerful, impactful things, light and love. Walking in the light, loving your brother or your sister. That's what light love looks like. Someone might say, not us, not us of course, we, we would never say this, but somebody might say, you read this, you go, well then who is my brother and sister? Who is John talking about? Like, who's my brother and sister? That's kind of, might, could, might be vague. Is he talking about other Christians? Like in the church, my brother's in Christ, my sister's in Christ, that's what he's talking about? Is he talking about my family members? Steve and Mike and Bob and Frank and Paul and Kathy and, you know, Trish and my brothers and sisters, he's talking about them. Or is he talking about all people, the human race, brothers and sisters out there in the world, everyone? Do we have to love everyone do we have like that's the question we all ask deep in our heart you might not ever say that out loud but you know you think it do i have to love everyone really jesus do i have to love everyone i don't like that guy he gets on my nerves he's always pushing my buttons i i don't i don't know that i could say i love that person like we are all there, right? We all have people in our life that are very difficult to love. And we live in a world now that you see the stuff going on. The blatant evil against all the principles and truths of God. Like blatantly, willingly attacking God's truth. And, and, and here we are, we stand for God's truth. We want to walk in God's truth. And, and when, when someone else does it, and they are in direct conflict with that truth. I don't know about you, but I'm not that... It's not easy to love that person. Hate the sin, love the, love the sinner, right? That's, that's the kind of the feel that we're supposed to go by. I hate what you do, but I have to love you. Somehow i got to figure that out, work that out. Remember, Jesus was asked a similar question in Luke 10. Remember, uh, he's talking about the two greatest commandments, right? Uh, that, that the two greatest commandments, 
that Jesus gives us sum up all of the law and all the prophets. And they go like this. One, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And number two, love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's what Jesus says. And he shares this parable of a good Samaritan, right? This man, he's traveling uh, up to Jerusalem, and he is mugged, he's beaten, he's robbed, he's left for dead, and three different people come walking by, a priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan. Two of them are religious. One is just a Gentile guy, the guy that isn't supposed to give a rip, the Samaritan. The religious guys do nothing. The priest and the Levite do nothing for this man that was robbed and left for dead. But the Samaritan guy, he stops. He gets off his mule. He helps the guy. He saves the guy's life. And Jesus says, which of these three was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? Which of these three was a neighbor? to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the answer is the one who showed mercy. Not the priest, not the Levite, but the Samaritan, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus then says, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. The original statement was that Jesus made was love your neighbor. And the original question or the big question that he was asked was, who is my neighbor? Well, that hurt person is your neighbor. And the Good Samaritan didn't know him from Adam. So the teaching is go and be a good neighbor to your neighbors. Go and be a good neighbor to your neighbors. See, asking who is my brother and sister is really a very loaded question for us to ask. When, when we ask that question, who is my brother and sister? As if we're trying to get out of something. Like, like we, surely not them, right? Surely not those people over there. They can't be my brother and sister, right? Is that what you're talking about, Jesus? It's kind of a loaded question, and here's why. Because we're not going to like the answer. We're not going to like the answer to the question, who is my brother and sister? Who is my neighbor? It's, the answer is going to push us way beyond where you and I naturally want to go. It's a very high call, and it's nearly an impossible challenge. And Jesus says a lot about it. But in Romans 13, Paul writes, and he says, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt of love one another, for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. Wow, that's not easy. That's not simple. That's not just loving people who love me. That's easy. Jesus calls us to love those who don't give a rip about you. It's quite possible. Here's the dilemma that all of us need to think about. It's quite possible to hang around the light and even reflect elements of the light, like be kind to each other, to give, to teach, to serve, to show patience, to be, to be a good person. Do you remember the rich young ruler? He kept all the commands. He was a model citizen for light exposure. 
he hung around the light, but was unwilling to go all in. He was unwilling to go all in with Jesus. It's one thing to hang around the light. It's another thing and a much deeper thing to make your home in the light. Much deeper, much deeper to make your home in the light. Not just knowing the teachings and the ways of Jesus, the books of the Bible, the authors, the longest chapter and all those details. And not just to act them out on a, on a, on a regular basis or in some religious way, but to be so engulfed in the light, so saturated with the light, so transformed in your mind by the light that you are now living and breathing and walking in the light. So much that the light now coming out of your life, the light is now real love, pure love, unselfish love, God's agape love. Not some imitation or attempt to copy Bible love, where we love because I'm supposed to, but it's Jesus truly loving others through me. It's him in me loving the world. To be able to love your enemies, to be able to pray for those who persecute you, to be able to turn the other cheek, to be able to go the extra mile, to be able to love those who hate you, to be able to say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. You and I will never do this on our own. Our natural instinct is to strike out and to strike back. Vengeance is the human way. Only by the power of the Holy Spirit of God living in us will we ever come close, even come close to living God's love. To claim to walk in Jesus, but hate or despise or detest a brother or sister, a neighbor, you're walking in the darkness and the darkness has blinded you, which means you don't even realize you're in the dark. That person thinks they're okay. They are walking in confusion. Let me, let me kind of wrap this up with a focus on verse 8. It's, 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 it's the truth of the command to love. Verse 8. The command is the truth of the command to love which is seen in him and in you. You see it? This old command is the message that we have heard, yet I am writing you a new command. It's truth. It's truth is seen in him and in you. This command to love like Jesus loves, to walk like Jesus walked, to live in the light as he is in the light. That's where Jesus is, and that's where you and I want to be. This is where we want to be. To be all in today means this. 
It means that we are headed toward perfection. We're moving toward perfection. And we admit that we've got a ways to go. I admit I've got a long ways to go. But by my free will, by my free will and decisions of my own heart, I am moving in his direction. And, and we are closing that gap. The gap between me trying to love like Jesus and Jesus in me loving through me. We're trying to close that gap. The goal is that that gap will keep getting closer and closer as I move in that direction, as I surrender to him, as I allow his Holy Spirit to work in me, and as I let, let the word of God dwell in me richly as I spend time in it. As I do all that I physically and spiritually can do to let Jesus be all in me. To be all in in me and me all in him. What a powerful challenge that John has just laid out for you and me. It's not going to be easy, but we're going to try. God bless you guys. Have an amazing week. And let's walk in this light that will produce the love of Jesus through us. God bless you guys. Have a good one. We'll see you next time.